on again. Aha. Uh -huh. So there's a good little analogy there, really. If I leave my mic pack on and wander too far away, I need to, like, reset it when I come back. Otherwise, it can't find itself, which is not unlike coming to worship every Sunday. Wander too far, you need a little bit of a reset um, to find your way back to paths that lead home and true. So um, I've reset my mic pack, so we're good to go. Sound is happy. And hopefully this morning, um, there is a sense that we come, we reset our hearts. We look back on the week behind us, and we look ahead to the week forward, and we allow our minds and souls to be reset in God's presence, that we can be re-centered, and that we can remember who we are in Christ. Uh, one of the ways in which we do that today is through celebrating the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. So we'll be celebrating communion uh, this morning. So if you uh, we're getting some uh, more communion um, cups out, so you'll make sure you want to get those. If you haven't, um, maybe just take a minute eventually to go get one so that we can celebrate the sacrament together as we remember that we are invited and fed at Christ's table. Um, another just announcement we have, I want to call Rachel Demblaker forward. you go on the second step, then you'll be visible, and I'll, I'll stay on the first one. Is that saying you have a height advantage over me? A little bit. Oh, is that? We good on that one? Are we good? Oh, awesome. Perfect. Um, it, not, not an advantage. We're just different. It takes all kinds of different people, right? Aw, yeah, you make people yeah. feel so special, Pastor Stephen. I, I do my best. So we are officially in summer we had the blessing of honoring those um, on memorial day and some kids were done with school this week some kids have one more week <laughs> adeline and brayden <laughs> um so we are jumping into summer and summer at north holland means the ottawa county fair the ottawa county fair we've seen a great face post facebook post last facebook week post. facebook post saying Fair's happening, so we are scrambling. What we need from you guys here at North Holland to make this work, we need y'all. Y'all? Y'all. We need people. We need lots of people to help out. Um, we have a sign-up list and both welcome areas. Um, just sign your name. We need commitments for dates. So if we think about, you know, usually we have six months of lead time going into the fair that in like March or April, we're like reminding people to get donations in. Uh, this time around, just due to timing that we didn't know if it was going to be on or not, instead of six months, we had about six weeks to know that this was happening. So yeah, I'd say commitments is the hard thing to not know just, oh yeah, we think it'll all come together. We, we kind of are in a, a fish or cut bait kind of spot with the fair. Is that yep. fair That to say? is so... Yes, um, it's July 26 through 31. Um, we have Monday through Saturday dates set up there, like Pastor Stephen said. Hey, I think I can help out, but my neighbor's sister's brother's dog's wedding could be that week. I support canine marriage. So, but um, we need to know. 
So, <laughs> sorry. I got, I got nothing. <laughs> so sign up your date. If you can work Tuesday morning, we need you. If you can work Thursday night, we need you. Figure we need you. Put your name down. Um, North Holland is great at doing work. They're great at doing hard work, quick work, fast work. We just need to know who we can um, depend on for that week with vacations and such. So we need, uh, and we would need donations, commitments, um, all of the kind of kitchen prep time. But then, yeah, we need to but know if we have enough first people we to need staff to know it. Our people got to know if we can staff it or not, because we we can't really do it halfway. It's a, it's kind of all in or not in. So, um, so please take a look, sign up. The sign up sheets. Where where are they, Rachel? They are by the Welcome Center when you walk in and right back there by Paul by the other Welcome Center. Wonderful. So right out, if you're exiting the sanctuary right up there, otherwise if you're in the Reach Out Center, find it in the, the middle spot. Um, and then if you're, if you're online, how, how can we get in touch to, to sign up or commit? Give the, call, the office a call or email by Wednesday this week. We will be making the decision on Thursday. So if you... Call Thursday, we'll say, ooh, we already decided. So Wednesday this week so that we can decide Thursday if we are a go or a no-go. Perfect. All right. And that's actually, Larry, this would be our 60th year, you guys, at Ottawa County Fair. That is a legacy. Yeah. That is something to strive for. So if you have any questions, talk to myself, Jackie Van Dam, Lana Dupree, Terry Vandebosch. Um, Chris Rossich, um, we're part of the fair committee and we'd love to give you more information. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you very much, Rachel. I'll take the mic. Um, thank you very much on that note. Um, and also just, uh, man, you really took me off guard. I usually don't like get so humored that I lose my words. You, 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 you win this round. Um, um, the other announcement we have this morning, I want to call uh, Terry Caldwell forward um, from Doors of Hope. Uh, formerly known as Atlas, but uh, your offices are at City on a Hill, and we have um, partnered with Doors of Hope for quite some time. Um, I can speak just from the, the church side of things where we hear from you, Terry, that um, you know, when we get a call or a request in, um, Doors of Hope is kind of our first place to go for clearinghouse for this relationship growth, um, different some opportunities we've had to celebrate growth in people's lives. So we are so glad to have you here with us this morning uh, to share an update on Doors of Hope and the continued ministry and needs there. So will you welcome Terry? Awesome. Thank you for having me this morning. <laughs> Wanted to start out just by reading a scripture um, from 1 John. If anyone sees a brother in need and has the means to help him, yet shows no pity and closes his heart against him, how is it even possible that God's love lives in him? Beloved children, our love can't be an abstract theory that we only talk about, but a way of life demonstrated through our loving deeds. We know that the truth lives within us because we demonstrate love in action, which will reassure our hearts in the presence of our Lord. I love that scripture because it talks about the practicalness of the love of Christ. Um, first of all, though, before I start, I want to say thank you to your church for just your many years of ongoing support. 
it's because of churches and partners like you that over the years we've been able to help now thousands of people and thousands of families. And so thank you for that. And your church really lives out this scripture of not just having a theology of love, but a practice of love. And so one of the things that we've come to kind of call ourselves is the social arm, um, the social work arm of the church, because we like to step in alongside churches and do those things that we're good at to free you up to do those things that you do very well. And so, like Pastor Stephen, Stephen said, you know, we will have a church refer somebody over to us who has walked in the door and probably said, I have an eviction notice, can you help me? Or my lights are gonna be shut off. And so they come on over and we sit down and the first thing we do is we hear their story. We wanna know what's going on in your life, what got you to this place where you're having you know, difficulties paying your bills. Then we're gonna sit down and we're gonna come up with a plan to help this individual or family move forward. Um, we have so many resources that we are blessed with here in the Holland Zealand area, and so we can make those connections for people. Uh, we can lay out a plan. Sometimes we'll come back to the church and say, hey, we really think that you know this would be a good use of some benevolence money if you could help with this, and we're gonna walk with this individual and keep them moving forward. And so we have seen so many lives just transform through this process of taking the time to come alongside people, to listen to them, support them, to be a cheerleader in their court. And so we really look at ourselves at Doors of Hope as your local missionary. Like we are doing the things right here in Holland and Zealand that you know happen in Africa and across the world. You know, people are hungry, people are traumatized, people have despair and they need hope. And so, you know, through our partnerships, we are able to offer those things. Just last year um, in 2020, and it was a hard year for everybody, but particularly for the population that we work with, uh, we worked with over 450 families. We fed 300 uh, people through our food pantry. Uh, we still average about 250 calls a month with people calling for assistance of some type. And we also were able to help 40 families either stay in their homes or some families who were homeless get into a home. And so, again, thank you for helping us do that. Um, just in closing, a couple new things that we've got going on that we're implementing. Um, we're doing a thing called care teams. And we do it in proximity to a church partner. So if we've got a family that we've been working with that has some ongoing needs, we look at which one of our church partners is closest to where they live. And then we call in that church and we say, hey, can you put a care team around this family? And for example, we've got a family that we're working with, large family, mom was just diagnosed with cancer. And so we called our church partner that's closest to them and they just check in once a week, how's it going? Uh, can we bring you a meal? Do you need a gas card to get to your appointments in Grand Rapids? So it's just a way <clears throat> sorry, to activate the local church into a little bit more hands-on with the clients, and we found that to be really effective. And then lastly, we will be opening um, Hope House this fall, which we're really excited. Um, when City on a Hill was purchased, it came with a house that Doors of Hope will be taking over, and we're going to be placing a family in that home that has been has a history of homelessness, but that we've been working with for a while. And so we're really excited about that. There's lots of work that needs to be done on it. It's an old house, it needs some updating. 
So we've had individuals and church partners give money towards that and also sign up and say, hey, you know, we're willing to come do some of the work. So if you'd like to hear more about that, I'll be down at a table afterwards. Love to share more about that with you or just the ministry in general. And just lastly, um, the reason that we changed our name from Atlas to Doors of Hope came from the scripture in Hosea 2.15. I will transform them from the valley of trouble and lead them through a doorway of hope. And we really love the, the imagery of that because, you know, when we see people, they're in some kind of place of trouble. And we love how God can use us to just open doors and kind of lead them out of that place and into a place where they know the hope of Jesus Christ. So again, thank you so much for your partnership. Terry, can I have you stay up for a minute? Sure. Just for, um, we want to offer prayer. And I heard you say up to 250 calls a month, yep. um, which is a lot of need represented. And so we want to give thanks for that and excited about the house as well. And I would just say too, um, you know, I know you said you're, you're in some ways the social work arm, but your ability to connect the scriptures to our lives, you also preach quite well also. So I want to <laughs> thank you for that. Let's, let's say a prayer for Doors of Hope. God, as the scriptures proclaim, um, we are brought from the valley of trouble into, through the door of hope. And so we pray for the work that happens at Doors of Hope in that corner of City on a Hill, um, that people may be blessed and helped and find hope again through all of the situations that Terry and her staff walk through, that they walk alongside of. We thank you for their gifts that are hard at work in service, for the ways in which our church and other churches in our area can partner together. Lord, keep us faithful in this shared work that we can do for a truly a mission presence right here in West Michigan. Lord, for the days that are trying and difficult, we pray for strength and for those stories of hope and redemption and to, to see cycles of poverty and homelessness broken, we give you thanks and praise for each and every local miracle that you work through the continued faithfulness of your servants at Doors of Hope and through the churches that partner alongside of this good work. Thank you that Terry and Dave can be with us this morning and bless them as, um, as we go into this next week. In the name of Jesus, who is our hope, amen. amen. Thank Thanks, Terry. At this time, will, um, will you stand for the call to worship? Hear these words. The love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We dwell in him and he in us. Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, and speak of all of his marvelous works. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Let's pray together. Loving God, we come to you in worship and thanksgiving. You are greater than we can understand. Open our eyes that we may see the wonderful truths you have shown to us in Jesus. You are more loving than our hearts can respond to. Help us to give ourselves to you in worship so that we learn what you want us to be. You are wiser than we can know. Calm and still our minds as we worship you 
so that we can understand the things that you are saying to us. In Jesus, you chose to come to the world in humility. You chose the path that the world saw as foolish. You used what the world considered weak. We worship and adore you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, may our lives proclaim your goodness. Amen. Amen. Friends, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. You are known, you are loved, and you are welcome as we worship together in this place. Will you take a moment either in sanctuary or at home to greet those around you in the name of our Lord?
Friends, in addition to celebrating the local work that we do, we also have opportunity this morning to commission uh, some global work that we're doing. So I want to call up um, all of the members present who are headed to Casas por Cristo. Um, they leave this Saturday. Could you stand and maybe even make your way forward down to the front? Everybody's favorite thing to do. line up behind the table. We kind of go fill in the whole front here. Got to come this way too. Well, we're, um, we're glad to be celebrating and commissioning um, another sending. And yeah, you get all nice and close because you're going to be working real close with each other for a good long week. Um, and so I'm just curious, Lana, do you know off the top of your head, how, which number trip is this? Seventh? Six or seven, either way. Um, we want, think in seven. Seven sounds like a good number for this morning. So um, we want to commission the Casas Per Cristo team as they make their way down to Juarez, Mexico, leaving Brighton early Saturday morning. So if you want to come at 5.30 on Saturday morning for a, a final blessing and prayer, you may do so. Um, and uh, then you can go back to bed if you want, and they'll head on um, to the airport. Um, but we want to offer a prayer of blessing and commissioning um, not only for the work that is done in, uh, so the, the work that Casas Per Cristo do is uh, they build, you've hopefully seen stuff about this already, they build a house for a deserving family, um, making the housing need uh, something that's attainable for those in Juarez. And so this is a familiar place for some, this is a new place for others, and so we celebrate God's continued faithfulness and that we're commissioning yet another trip. After a little, little COVID break there, things happen, um, and now to head down um, this coming, well, next week, essentially. So will you, um, as you, as we worship here, if you feel comfortable, I would just say ex extend a hand forward as a sign of blessing as we pray a prayer of commissioning for the CASAS team. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this group. And we pray a blessing upon the work that will be done. And we pray a blessing also upon those who they will meet along the way. We pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon this group, gentle as a dove and burning as fire, that you give them a passion for the work that they are doing. May it live within them. Keep them safe. Um, bless them with um, hydration during a warm week. Bless the work of their hands that comes from the goodness in their hearts as they labor for a deserving family. Bless them as they build bricks and mortar, but also as they build your kingdom here on earth for the stability and blessing of a home that can be called one's own that will be received. Lord, for, for the week that they're there, for the traveling to and from, for all things, we pray your Holy Spirit's presence and guidance and a special anointing upon Chris and Dawn, Dave and Lana, Chris and Vicki, Hank and Claire, Mike and Rachel and Addie, Terry and Jennifer and Annalyn and Larry, Katie, John, Braden, Julie and Dave, and others um, who are not up front. 
Lord, we pray a blessing upon their work as they both labor together, give them joy in their hearts as they represent both North Holland but also your church at large. For why do we do the things we do? We love because you first loved us. And so may this outpouring of service be an extension and a work and manifestation of your great love. Commission this team by your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Friends, remember that you are going to meet um, right after service um, in the Higher Grounds area, and we celebrate the work, and we look forward to hearing reports of the work that is done. You can head back to your seats. Let's uh, just show them some love this morning as well. Friends, as we prepare to receive God's word, um, we sing this song together, remembering that God's truths are unchanged from the dawn of time and that they will echo down through eternity. Let's sing together.
Thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship and for all that we get to celebrate today of um, God's Holy Spirit sending both near and far. As we continue in worship today, I invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Today we're looking at three short and simple yet deep and profound verses. Ephesians 4 verses 14 through 16. If you've uh, been with us at North Holland, this should be a familiar spot that you're opening your Bible to. As we've uh, started in Ephesians 1 and we're just steadily preaching through the whole book to, to dig in deep to each word in this letter that is offered. In the first uh, three chapters, we, we got this big picture of God's love. And as that big picture was appreciated and understood, and now we've, in chapter four, have kind of shifted over towards understanding what this book means for us. And so today, we come to Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. Before we read God's word together, uh, let's pray for God's blessing upon the word. God, we give you thanks. For by the power of your Holy Spirit, you speak. You speak life into us. You speak life to us through your word and in your holy name. God, for each word and phrase that you inspired by your Holy Spirit to be written so long ago and yet can still be timeless truth for us here this morning. From Ephesus to North Holland, your Holy Spirit continues to speak. So speak into our hearts and to our lives. Open the scriptures to us by the power of your Holy Spirit that the words may be living and active to us. Speak to us in the love that you have for us, which is heavenly and perfect. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Then, when we've reached maturity, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Speak the truth in love. You know, it's uh, graduation open house season, which just hopefully when we see the pictures, it might bring us back a little bit to a time maybe when we were in high school, whether it be a few or several or many years ago. And I remember when I was in high school, a particular teacher who had it in for me. I mean, everything I did, it was like she was there waiting and watching for me to mess up. I only had her for one year, but during that year, it just always felt like she was out to get me. Now, I don't know why that would have been. 
But I do know that the year that I had her as an educator, we had a unit in that English class about poetry. And believe it or not, I, I really like poetry. And we had a composition part of poetry, uh, several different pieces we had to write, and then we had to choose one to present to the class. Well, the one that I wrote, um, we had one assignment that was to write a biographical poem, meaning you have to narrate through poetry a real-life event. And of course, that was the one I wanted to share with the class. Now, just to give you an understanding of what was going on in the greater part of the room, you'll probably have more sympathy for the teacher who is out to get me in knowing this. Uh, some people wrote about their favorite family vacation and, and wrote a poem about that. Um, one student uh, wrote about the first funeral that they attended. Deep, thoughtful, a way to put words to all that we're feeling, a way to, to use our, our words to, to remember events that should not be forgotten. I, of course, wrote my biographical narrative poem about a time that my cousin and I chased down a raccoon on the farmyard. And of course, since this was the one I chose to commit to memory to share with my classmates, I still remember it today. There was a day back in May when the sun was blazing hot. I met a foe that guns could kill, but empty-handed I could not. I was outside the day it died, brought by my cousin Jeff, and on this day a rogue raccoon would soon meet its death. While hauling grain, we were driven nearly insane, for we saw a sight of dread, for at the bottom of the truck a raccoon dared to show its head. But at the bottom of the truck, the rogue raccoon had run stuck. He couldn't climb the metal sides, for on them his paws would slide. We could have shot him then and there, but my good cousin Jeff wouldn't dare. He told me this as we went running, bullets cost money. So back we came with a steel pole and shovel. Frantic paws on metal could be heard. The raccoon knew he was in trouble. And we opened the gate to let him out, and out came head, body, and snout. And since we had no use for a gun, we chased the raccoon at a full-speed run. As he ran, we beat him down. We chased him through the shed. But this little creature of black and brown could not be beaten dead. I had to admire the vigor of this little critter who was no bigger than an obese cat or a small dog, but he was as tough as an oak log. But despite the rogue's great resilience, he couldn't stand up to one man's brilliance. For soon came home my not-so-frugal dad, and for the raccoon this was very bad. For with one blast from a 12-gauge shotgun, our victory against the raccoon was won. Yes, the raccoon died from that fatal blow, but my father also took out our truck window. <laughs> so you all have given me a similar reaction to what my classmates gave me. But my teacher took me aside and said, Stephen, I'm giving you a zero on this assignment because I know that you made this up just to be funny. And I protested, no, this is a true story. You know my dad and you know my cousin Jeff. Ask them. This is a true biographical event that I have commemorated with beautiful words. She was kind of out to get me. And I did get a passing grade on the assignment, but it was one more event where I was like, why are you out to get me? Why are you always after me? Why is everything, why is everything I try to do wrong in your eyes? Fast forward a few years to the teacher that was always out to get me when I was home uh, from a break between college and seminary. I ran into the same educator 
And she was so glad to see me, which I found confusing. And so affirming and, and knew what was going on in my life and was so happy for me and said words that changed my understanding of how we had interacted up until that point. I said, you know, I always saw some potential in you when you were in school, but I always thought you were lazy and not taking things seriously, but I always saw potential in you. That suddenly changed my understanding of all of the interactions that we had. That all of the ways in which she was hard on me, in all of the ways that seemed unfair at the time, in the ways that it seemed like I was being singled out for disciplinary measures, and sometimes I fully deserved it. But I understood now that even some of the harsh things that she said and did were an example of speaking the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. And to what end? To grow and build itself up in love. This is for the goodness of Christ's body, the church. Each part does its faithful work in speaking the truth in love. Now, I wonder how often we take speak the truth in love and turn it into be polite if you're going to say something mean. Isn't that our cultured response? We'll find a, a polite way to be mean or maybe a passive-aggressive response. But speak the truth in love does not necessarily have to do with the content. Speaking the truth can be hard things that are hard to hear. But are they spoken in love? Now, consider this. If you are hearing something harsh from someone, if you believe that they love you and they care for you and that they are here to invest in you and to build you up, you will listen to them well, you will hear them out, and you will pay attention to what they have to say. But if the person speaking to you is someone who you feel is just always out to get you, who doesn't care for you, who doesn't love you, who doesn't have your best interests in mind or at heart, then it is really easy to blow them off and ignore them. This can happen in any area of life. Those who are just, eh, I'm never going to make them happy. Why do I care what they have to say? No, nope, they'll always be against me. If I, say, if I say red, they'll say green. Those who are always out to get us, those who are just our antagonists, those who do not have love for us are the easiest for us to blow off. The way we listen changes when we believe that the one who is speaking loves us. And this goes both ways. The way we speak should change when we love someone. If you are speaking to someone that you love, it will change the way you speak to them. And the truth includes both good things and hard things, things that are encouraging and things that can be challenging. Once again, speaking the truth in love is not about the content that it's all good things, nor does it mean that we just are polite when we say mean things to try to sneak a jab in at someone. When we speak the truth in love, what first happens is that in our hearts, we know that the person that we are speaking to is someone that we love. And that love should change us from the heart and rise up to the, the words that come from our mouth. Do you love the person that you're talking to in any walk of life? If not, you're probably talking at them. 
not to them. Now this is specific to love and speaking the truth and love within the church. But also when Jesus said, you know, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, that means that it's not only the person sitting in the pew by you on Sunday, it is the cashier at the store, it's the coworker, it is whoever our neighbor might be in that moment. Do we speak the truth in love, starting with love in our hearts? Because sometimes we'd rather just believe that what we have to say is the right thing that needs to be said. And often that can lead us to give ourselves permission to speak, maybe out of anger or jealousy or frustration or just general dislike. That is not speaking the truth in love. And we might feel very justified in whatever we want to say, but... If we do not have love in our hearts, we will not speak God's truth to people. This is different than getting facts right. You don't have to love someone to tell them that 7 times 3 is 21. Different than facts, this is about truth. Speaking truth to people requires love. Otherwise, it might be our perspective, and we might be very passionate about it. But without love, it will not be God's truth that we speak to our neighbor. We have a part to speak. And maybe that's the best way to remember is to speak your part, knowing that especially in this body, you are a part of the body of Christ. You do have a part to play and you have a speaking part in this great kingdom theater. Speak your part, knowing that you are a part of the body of Christ, but also know that you are not the whole body of Christ. It is with humility in chapters 1 through 3 of Ephesians that we approach our salvation and that we understand God's great love for us. And it is a humbling, majestic love for us. But with that humility also comes the ways in which we speak. Speaking, knowing full well that we have a part. But we are not the whole, nor do we have we cannot say that we have the whole truth the way God has the whole truth with perfect omniscience, the all-knowingness of God. Speak the truth in love. Speak your part. This is the difference, and I've used this little turn of phrase before, between saying, we like to say, I'm just telling it like it is. But do you know everything going on with someone? It's easy to just tell it like it is as if you'd like to think that that's what you're doing but the best that we get to do is to call it as we see it because it is only God who sees all we rather when we speak the truth in love can think of ourselves as a referee on a court or field can a referee see everything no it's not possible they do get to call it as they see it. They do get to call foul. They do get to call out of bounds. They do get to call it as they see it. But there's people behind them. There's movement all around. You can't see everything with perfect omniscience. To speak the truth in love as a part of the body of Christ is to speak our part and to with humility know that the story might be bigger than we understand. And so it is only through love in our hearts that we will speak effectively truth. Thinking of the work of Doors of Hope with Terry and her staff, wouldn't it be easy to just tell it like it is to people with no curiosity on their story, with just to say, well, this is what you did, this is what happened. But it is speaking the truth in love. 
And when we speak the truth in love, our love will also compel us to listen to the part that someone else has to speak as well. If I had known that my high school teacher really did have an interest and an investment in me, I would have listened differently. And I take that example as a reminder to make sure that I let people know beyond the shadow of a doubt that there is love and care involved in what is being said. And also, we receive well when we can believe that someone is loving us. And within the body of Christ, the church, because that's, that's what this is about, it spreads out to every other area of life, from the cashier to the coworker to the person that you'll meet along the road for the group going to casas. But when we speak the truth in love, it starts within the, the Christ's church so that we can grow in every respect to be the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love is one of the parts we play to grow in maturity, not only ourselves, but to build up the body of Christ, the church. It is from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, that grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. To grow and build requires discipline, does it not? But if you know that someone who disciplines you loves you, you will receive their words with a different eagerness. It's maybe the coach who knows that you have talent and they see it, and they urge you to be disciplined so that you don't take talent and forsake training. It might be the teacher or supervisor or mentor or parent who wants to see the best within us because they love us and they want to see fulfillment in our life. But if we don't sense the truth is being spoken in love, it's easy to dismiss it as no truth at all. And if we speak without love, we may have our opinions, but it is very likely we will have missed the opportunity to speak truth. If you can't Often we have said, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. It's a good, a good little pocket wisdom for us. And I wonder if the Ephesians 4 version of that is if you're speaking to someone and can't say in your heart that you love them, then speak as little as possible. Bite your tongue if you need to. Because if your attitude is that you just got to get your words in, you've got to speak your peace and get out, then there is no love in that. And there is no listening without love. Speaking the truth in love is to both affirm the greatest things that you see in someone, that you recognize that they're created in the image of God. Any person that you meet is created in the image of God. And we love them as such. And we speak the truth to them in the love of Christ. The test of maturity in our passage today is if there is love. So that we don't get caught up in the back and forth and the deceitful scheming and all of these other things. That we don't get uh, tossed back and forth by waves as infants would or blown here and there. That we don't get caught up in what everyone has to say but that we pay attention to those who love us well. God disciplines those whom he loves. And we are called to be people who speak truth in love. 
So friends, don't make it your goal just to be polite when you say mean things. But before every conversation that you have, before you leave your house and you think of those whom you'll meet along the road, are you ready in your heart to love those who you will speak to today? For if it is not love, you might be a loud symbol or a drum that's beating to its own beat and measure. But it will not be God's love and truth spoken if we do not have love in our hearts. Speak to those you love and speak truth. And also, as we talk about building each other up, and we'll get more into this throughout Ephesians, don't assume that people know the things that you think are good about them. Many of us have a loud, a loud inner critic. And so part of speaking the truth in love, part of building up, is remembering and recognizing perhaps our unspoken appreciation for those around us. Speak those in love, not in flattery, but speak them in love and sincerity. When we speak the truth in love, we gain an audience with one another. And the hard things that have to be said, as well as the good, is heard differently when we know that we are in a relationship of love. So, was my teacher right about me? Absolutely. Did I occasionally not take things seriously? You bet I did. That was definitely true. Was it easy to ignore her because I didn't think that she loved or cared for me? Yep. So, maybe it's not about uh, making everyone laugh or telling kind of goofy stories about raccoons and farmyards and all the other fun that we have in Northwest Indiana. But rather, the greater effort and reminder is to love those you speak to. And until you're ready in your heart to love someone, speak few words or none at all until we are ready together to build and grow in love as each part does its work. Do your part. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Speaking the truth in love is something that God does